I'm Liza Hanks, and welcome to Life, Death, Law, a podcast about something we all share and almost never talk about, death. To me, it's it's like a, a domino effect in some way, where, you know, we getting sort of a critical mass of people that become more comfortable and, and, and having these conversations, it means that it can start really making a very tangible shift in our society so that people don't feel isolated, so that people can talk openly about how they want to die and how they want to live. That's Derek Kosberg, Director of Programming at Reimagine End of Life and part of the founding team for The Dinner Party. Reimagine is a citywide week-long event that's happening in New York starting October 27th and in San Francisco next April that invites an entire city to explore big questions about life and death, incorporating the arts, community organizations, healthcare, design, and spirituality. The Dinner Party is a community of mostly 20 and 30-somethings who have experienced significant loss and connect around potluck dinner parties to talk about it. I asked Dara to be on this show because both of these projects are ones that I want to share. They're innovative, interactive, groundbreaking, and let's face it, kind of fun. So Dara, I'm so excited that you agreed to be on Life, Death, Law today. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I, I really wanted you to be on the show today for about three reasons. I'm sure there's more, but there's three that are on the top of my list. So one is your work uh, with the dinner party, and we'll talk about what that is. But for the people who don't know, just a sneak preview, it's a, it's a project that's creating a forum for young people who have experienced loss to connect with each other and to talk about their lives after the loss and, and the things that the loss brought up for them. So I think that's a really important project that I'm really interested in, and I think our listeners would be too. And then your work as a producer for Reimagine, which is a conference that just happened in, in San Francisco and is going to be happening in New York in November. So I want my listeners to learn about the Reimagine conference and its innovative structure, which is sort of an open source conference, as I understand it. And third, I just think people would like to know a little bit more about you and your work in what you just called the death space, laughingly. But I would say you, like me and a lot of other people in this country, are trying to change the way we talk about death and actually get people to talk about death in a more empowered and liberating way. As you know, and I think I know, it's really more about living than dying. So you can start anywhere you want. Yeah. So I guess to begin, you know, the, the way that I got into this space was through, I had lost my mom when I was um, 20 years old and from uh, breast cancer, you know, the, the main way that I processed that grief and, and loss was sort of by myself and through the art that I was making. You know, I only had one friend who had also lost a parent by that age. And, you know, she became sort of an anchor for me and somebody to kind of go to. But outside of that, it was sort of you know, people in my age group didn't really connect um, around this, or I didn't, I couldn't figure out how to. When uh, Carla Fernandez, who is one of the co-founders of the dinner party, had invited me to host a dinner here in San Francisco, she had just been getting a group of, you know, other friends who were in their 20s down in LA together, who had all lost parents, um, to talk about just sort of how is that loss affecting their life now? So very much kind of a conversation grounded in the present. And, you know, when she invited me to do this with her, 
I, you know, it had already been about 10 years since I'd lost my mom and I, I wasn't really sure if there was anything for me to talk about. Like I, I kind of, I knew that the loss definitely had impacted me, but it felt more of a static thing that there was this hurt, this pain, this sort of feeling of brokenness, but it wasn't, I wasn't really fully conscious of how that loss was kind of impacting my life in continuing to in, in different ways. But because I love Carla and trusted her, I did the dinner and I kind of realized very quickly that this loss was playing out in many active ways in my life, whether that was family dynamics or the way I thought about my own mortality, about the fact that I, after my mom died, kind of my priorities had really shifted and, and my values on, on what was important. And it was just such a comfort to sit in a room with other people who were in a similar stage in life who just got it and I could talk really openly. So that was sort of how I kind of got into the space. It wasn't something that I was actively searching for, but then quickly this community became a very big part of my life. And, you know, at that time, this was back in 2011, you know, there was just a handful of tape dinner party groups that were getting together. Um, and then in 2013, we decided to turn this into a, a nonprofit and kind of open our doors to the public. And that's when I got very involved in founding the organization. Well, I don't think anybody voluntarily signs up to deal with incredible loss, you know, <laughs> at any age. You know, I think that that's something that happens to people. They don't choose it. And uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, it's interesting to me because as I understand it, the, um, the dinner party is really focusing on uh, people in their 20s and 30s, right? Is that still true? Oh, we do have groups that are older and, you know, that are in their 50s or 60s that are getting together. The reason why we decided to focus on the 20s and 30s was that first and foremost, that was our age. But it was also that that's kind of where there's been a gap in terms of, of, of different support around this, where a lot of the kind of formal group support groups um, are mostly older people. They don't necessarily have, you know, groups that are focused on this this age group. And, and it's, you know, as we're talking about life after loss, being with people who are in similar life stages is actually, it's really, we found very important to kind of have places for people in that same place to connect. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's great because I think there's nothing like a significant loss to make anybody at any age feel just incredibly human and vulnerable and surprised and confused and isolated. I mean, I think that happens at any age. What I really love about the project is it gets at this incredible sense of isolation that I think so many people feel when there's been a death, even though it's absolutely universal, it's gonna to happen to everyone. When it happens to your family, you feel like you're the only person it's ever happened to. I think a lot of people feel that way, and, and maybe you did as well. So I guess what, I'm curious how your work at the dinner party led you to something that's broader than that. Uh, which would be reimagine, right? Yeah. Um, so I actually, the first kind of prototype of reimagine happened back in 2016. Brad Wolf, our executive director, actually had this idea of of using the arts and community kind of driven events to get people to talk about death and loss, and by concentrating 
it into one week as a means to amplify the, the conversation. And so the first year, there were about 30 organizations and individuals who put on events across the arts, healthcare, design, um, and spirituality, all with a focus to get people to talk about these, these topics around end of life. And I, as part of the dinner party, I put on a 80-person dinner party to talk about community support in times of loss. Was it a potluck? Yes, it was a mix of a potluck. And then we also got some food donated. And what we did was have our dinner party host from across the Bay Area be assigned to, you know, tables of eight to 10. And so everyone was having this conversation at once in small groups. And what was so kind of beautiful about it was that, you know, at one table, People would be crying at another table. People would be laughing. And there was something taking this kind of conversation actually out in the public in that way, to me, really humanized it and sort of normalized it in a way. Um, and, you know, I think it was something, you know, when we first started doing these kind of larger events, because usually the dinner parties happen as potlucks in people's homes, um, you know, I think there was a little concern about are we going to be able to create that type of intimacy in a, in a larger group setting? And to me, some of my favorite dinner parties have happened in these larger group settings because, again, that sort of juxtaposition of, of light and heavy, and it, it just it, it makes it so, it just makes it more almost comfortable to have the conversation. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, I, I've been to a few death cafes, and I think that there's something incredibly intimate about people just sharing the truth of life and death with each other. I mean, you realize that we all share it, and we almost never talk about it anywhere. You know, I've seen it happen in my office for the last 18 years. There's just something really basic and human and true, right, about death that we all share, but we so seldom give each other the comfort of connecting in that way. So yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. I was actually asking about the potluck because I thought, wow, how many desserts were there? There must have been a lot. <laughs> there, there were. <laughs> like if everyone brought dessert. We kind of, we decided to do salads and desserts for the potluck portion. And it was, you know, I, I, I will say that it was, it was pretty delicious. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I missed it. So and maybe we could back up just a little and um, you could tell our listeners something about, about Reimagine. I, I did go to the one in San Francisco, but I was only able to attend one event because I was uh, otherwise engaged. But it was a very sprawling event. I mean, there were so many different kinds of events over in so many different parts of San Francisco over that week. And I, I would just love for people to get a sense of what it was like and how that came together. So our... When we started working on it, our vision was that maybe there would be 50 or maybe 60 or 70 events that were happening across the week. It ended up having 175 events which, <laughs> with essentially the same team. You know, we didn't really grow our team very much. It was a little, a little nuts um, towards the end. But the, the, the reason why that happened is because as you sort of described it as kind of like an open source or almost crowdsourced festival where we opened our doors, put out a call, you know, although there were some events that we, the Reimagine team produced ourselves, the vast majority of them were produced by our community partners and individuals that were inspired to do something. And the events 
you know, as I mentioned, were, you know, there were many like arts-based events, um, or healthcare, you know, kind of advanced care planning workshops, design and innovation, you know, people talking about, you know, different projects that they were working on, and then spirituality. So um, we worked with a lot of different space organizations, communities to, to get people to talk about this. And the area that I focused mainly on was producing the arts programming and, and kind of how I got into working on this in a professional context was like outside of the dinner party was that I also do comedy, stand-up comedy. And um, I was really interested in bringing, building out the sort of comedy component of reimagine. Because <laughs> there's nothing like funnier than talking about death, right? Death, exactly. <laughs> but actually, actually, it is kind of a ridiculous dilemma that we have and it is actually the source of a whole lot of humor right if you can't laugh at it it's pretty hard to address it I think exactly I mean for me um and what I kind of when I during reimagine I I did some performances myself and I talked about how for me comedy humor makes it bearable to kind of get in touch with my grief and actually get close enough to explore it and understand it and and process it. And sort of having some light in the heavy is, for me, like what keeps me engaged in this. Me too. Well said. I used to have a, I sublet an office in a, where a massage therapist worked and, and I would take it two days a week and take the massage tables out and turn it into a law office and then meet with clients. This was like 20, almost 20 years ago. And the, the massage therapist in the front, she said, what are you doing in there? You're laughing all the time. And I'm like, oh, you know, we're just talking about death. <laughs> but there is, <laughs> because it's so human, I think. Well, and that was something that like one of our, this comedian, Chris Garcia, said at our opening night was that, you know, humor is a part of our humanness and humanity. And to not include that in conversations around death and loss would be almost to make it inhumane. So, you know, I, I think that it is, yeah, it's, it's a part of, of being human. So what was the most popular event in San Francisco uh, in this year's conference what, that got the most people to come? There was an event um, with Theater of War at the Castro Theater with Francis McDormand. And that, I believe, had close to a thousand people um, there. And then, uh, you know, our opening night had about I think, 650 people at the SF Jazz Center. And that was almost like a showcase of what the week was going to be, as well as a, a concert with um, a band, uh, Cloud Cult. And they, a lot of their music um, is created based on a loss that one of the, the singers had gone through. And so it was a mix of, you know, we had palliative care doctors speaking, we had a poet, a, a musician, or the composers at uh, the San Francisco Symphony, a comedian. Yeah, so it was really, and then we had someone who is part of the reimagined community who is had just uh, found out that she had cancer and it's very serious and she spoke about her experience. I'm curious, so do, do you think that the intimacy of sitting around a table in someone's home with a potluck and talking about death translates to going to see Frances McDormand perform on stage? Was it a different, was it a different kind of engagement that you're getting from the community and, and also a different demographic? Or is it, or do you think it's similar? I think 
that, you know, and, and really like there was a big mix of events that, that happened that week where there were, you know, smaller ones that were in people's homes. Um, and then there were these larger ones. I think, I mean, based on the feedback we've gotten and then based just on, you know, conversations I've had with people, you know, after these events, even the large ones, I think even if there wasn't, say, you know, conversation during that event, kind of afterwards, the types of conversations that people are having with their loved ones and friends, it's very actually similar to, I think, what happens at a dinner party table, that it's almost like the spark that, that or the gateway into these conversations. And that's why, you know, we have things like comedy, too, as a means of bringing in people that, that may normally not be interested in or afraid of having these conversations. But, you know, it's kind of creating these, these you know, gateways, openings for people to start talking about it. And what do you think the value of those conversations is for people? One, I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the head <laughs> talking about isolation and and giving, you know, people don't feel like they have space or room to have these conversations. Part of it is that they just don't feel like they have the time to or it's awkward. So I think, you know, having this like week where you're in this kind of bubble where Everything that everyone is thinking about and talking about is are these topics. It's like makes it a lot easier to start talking about it. I think and and feeling like a community around it. In particular, I heard that from people who are facing the end of life right now. There were several people that I personally met throughout the week that were facing serious illness, and for them, it was sort of this you know kind of magical experience to walk in to spaces where, you know, they were thinking every minute of every day around, you know, kind of their own mortality and and what that meant because they were um, experiencing it in this way. And it was like going into a space where people also think that that's very important to talk about. I think that made them feel less isolated in what they're going through. And, And, but, you know, one thing that we're trying to figure out for New York City is how can we opportunities for people that are facing the end of life to to meet up with each other and connect with each other directly so that they can sort of have, I'd say, more of a dinner party experience, you know, throughout the week where they have opportunities to connect. So that's an opportunity for me to invite you to tell our listeners about the November conference coming up in New York and how they might get involved or find out more. Yeah. Um, so it's actually festival runs from October 27th through November 3rd. The types of topics that are covered there, death, dying, mortality, grief, loss, life after loss. Um, So it's all encompassing. And it's, you know, it it could be from a more, you know, healthcare related perspective, like we have, you know, advanced care planning workshops and conversations around kind of, you know, for people, uh, say, going through Alzheimer's, like things that, that can help them and their families. Um, But then, you know, we're curating art shows and, um, you know, there were uh, in San Francisco immersive art experiences where you got to experience your own death and kind of come back to life and think about what you would do, how you want to live your life differently so that you don't have regrets. 
So it's really wide open. So if you want to actually create an event, you can go and to our website and, and there's all the information there. And then if you want to attend, you know, the way that we've designed it is that there's things happening during the day, at night to accommodate kind of anyone's schedule. No, that's, that's really great. Are you planning on coming back to San Francisco again next year? Yes, we are. And the same uh, week in April, it's, I believe, April 15th through 21st, but I'm not. It's, it's somewhere right around there, and it's on our website, too. So in a perfect world, I'm, I'm just really curious, in a perfect world, five years from now, what do you hope this conference turns into, and what do you hope, what do you hope it does uh, in this country around this conversation, or even in the world? Like, it's kind of a softball question, right? But obviously, you've, you're thinking big, and um, you're just getting started. So I'm always curious, you know, in a perfect world, where is this in five years or 10? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I will say that, that Brad, our executive director, you know, he's a pretty ambitious person. And I think the scale of this um, could be quite large. And I think one of the things that we're exploring and, you know, are in conversations with people in other cities who are interested in bringing Reimagine there and, and how would we be able to support them to do that? I mean, to me, this is all working towards a larger cultural shift. You know, how can, by, by creating these communities of people that are comfortable talking about these things and are, and are, you know, not just having these conversations during Reimagine, but then going back to their loved ones and their families. And to me, it's, it's like a, a domino effect in some way where, you know, we getting sort of a critical mass of people that become more comfortable and, and, and having these conversations, it means that it can start really making a very tangible shift in our society so that people don't feel isolated, so that people can talk openly about how they want to die and how they want to live. And, you know, to me, that's like when I think about um, why I'm so energized by this work is, is that kind of shift that, that we could make. That is great. I'm so excited. And uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wished I had? I guess one of the other things I just wanted to mention that we do, so in San Francisco and New York, we're actually partnering with the city, uh, like the city of San Francisco and New York to engage senior centers um, across um, the cities, cultural centers across the cities, and also really trying to bring in more underserved communities into this conversation because often, you know, in the kind of, I don't want to say death space or end of life space, to date, it's it's been mostly a conversation of, I would say, more privileged people. And so one of our main goals is to make sure that everyone has a voice in this conversation so that, you know, no matter what your background is, you're going to be getting the kind of, you know, health care that you deserve, that there are conversations, that the way that these conversations are had are in a way that you can connect with, no matter where you're coming from. You've just listened to my conversation with Derek Cosberg, a founder of The Dinner Party and a producer of the Reimagine End of Life Conference that's starting October 27th in New York City and coming back to San Francisco next April. To find out more about Reimagine, go to letsreimagine.org. And to find out more about The Dinner Party, go to thedinnerparty.org. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life, Death, Law. 
To find out more about today's episode or to send me a question or a suggested topic for future podcasts, go to lifedeathlaw.com, send me an email at lifedeathlawpodcast at gmail.com, or call me on the Life Death Law phone line at 669-232-0872. That's 669-232-0872. To subscribe to Life Death Law, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. So take care, and remember, when it comes to life and death and law, we are all in the same boat. Until next time, I'm Liza Hanks. Bye. Bye.